Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Luke. And this is The Parent Diaries. We're an English guy and an Irish girl that fell in love, got married, and now we're ready to start a family. This podcast is our honest account of becoming first-time parents as we navigate the slightly terrifying but equally exciting journey to parenthood. It will cover everything from fertility and trying to conceive right through to the baby arriving. Now, we're not celebrities, we're not doctors, we're not midwives, and so far we've collectively held a baby about three times. But we're going on this journey no matter what, so you may as well come along for the ride. Hello, and welcome to a very unexpected episode of The Parent Diaries. Hello, everyone. This is episode 22 and the reason I say it's unexpected is because we, we didn't think we'd be recording a 20-second nope. episode. That's wrong. We were going to have record a 20-second episode, but this isn't the 20-second episode we thought we no. would record. This is a bonus. Little bonus. Mm-hmm. We're calling the in-between. Yeah. And the reason for that is because it's that period between being ready for the baby, being full-term, and the baby actually deciding to arrive. Yeah. Which is surprisingly frustrating, as, yeah. we, as we're finding out. Um, so how are you feeling, Kate? I think bored, not bored. Deflated. Deflated, deflated. yeah. Deflated is a really good word, actually. Um, so where are we at? 40 weeks and four days. Okay, so almost 41 weeks. Yeah, 41 weeks. Uh, and yeah, no, Our almost. due date was literally four days ago. Yeah. And funnily enough, due dates don't mean a thing. So don't listen don't. to due dates. Actually, they're called estimated due dates. But people just drop the estimated. And just say due date. Yeah, exactly. Just expect a baby to arrive. Exactly. Like clockwork, basically. But let me tell you, it doesn't happen. So bear that in mind. Not if you wait for it to be spontaneous. It doesn't happen anyway. And this is partly the reason why we're doing this episode today, to Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about this, because I don't think this gets enough... Airtime, discussion. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Enough discussion about why... Some babies are later than others, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think that as a society, we are all pretty impatient now, I'd say. And I think when you hear there's like a due date or a scheduled date for something, you just think, right, well, that's what's going to happen. Um, I ordered it. Why is it I, here on time? Exactly. And as a result, often, sometimes not for medical needs, people will actually be induced just because policy dictates that. At like 41 weeks, you're offered an induction. This is what happens in most trusts across the country. Some people are even offered induction before that. But that's normally if they deem a medical need. So, for example, size of baby, which, depending on who you speak to, is or isn't a medical need, if I'm honest. Or if the woman has, you know, developed preeclampsia late in pregnancy, that is a medical need. Or if someone has gestational diabetes... Again, debatable as to whether or not that's a medical need to induce a baby soon or early. Um, again, because it's due to the baby's size or their predicted size. So it's a really interesting one because I think what we've learned is that everyone around us is just like expecting the baby to be here at this point, right? And I think this is the thing is that, you know, societal norms nowadays, you give someone a due date mm-hmm. or and and this is probably one piece of advice I would oh say to people expecting babies don't give people your due dates don't give your loved ones the due date just give them a rough range because we made that mistake and now literally within a week of that due date everyone starts asking you where is the baby probably or or Mm. even two weeks before the due date so what i would do little tip 
tell them the due date is literally a month later than it actually is. Yeah. Three, uh, four weeks later, and that will save you a lot of messages and expectation put on you, which can put excessive pressure as well. That's the thing for me anyway, like back to how am I feeling? I think if nobody was asking me, you know, is the baby here yet? Any signs? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be feeling as deflated or maybe as like listless or as impatient as I am. But that, again, it is, as you say, societal norms plus family and friends expectations. All of that combined, I think, can be quite a lot of pressure, particularly when you're a hormonal, very sensitive pregnant woman yeah, or exactly. a person later, later on in pregnancy. And let's get this straight. I mean, everyone that's um, kind of messaging and loved ones are obviously... They all mean the best. Of course. Everyone, yeah. like I get people daily at work and um, people messaging me saying stuff like, ah, oh, any news? Is the baby going to arrive? Mm. Oh, I think it's going to be, you know, this week or yeah. I think it's going to be tonight or whatever it might be. Or I think it could be in a few hours. And I'm like, well, I hope not. But <laughs> when I'm at work. Not ready. Um, yeah. I mean, I I'm kind of don't really mind because I'm not the one experiencing the pregnancy. Yeah. But I suppose with you, I can get why in some situations it would make you feel like, there's a pressure to almost perform or have yeah. the baby or if you haven't already had the baby it's kind of this whole thing of oh have i failed because i've, yeah, met, why, I've, I've why not, not? This yeah is so unusual. why not yeah and this is the thing it is quite unusual i think now even though it's a well-known fact that first-time moms will go beyond their estimated due date so towards the back end of the due period so around 42 weeks or closer to that date i think people still have the expectation that you're going to have had the baby again because of these early medical interventions like inductions. Yeah, and th- and this is more common in the modern world that we live in. Uh, mm. I spoke to um, a GP I work with the other day, and we were talking about it. And it used to be that back in the day, the baby would just come when the baby's ready. You mm. know, like when the baby's ready, it would it would come along, and and that would be it. Yeah. Um, and in some countries, that is still the case as yeah. well. And and don't get me wrong, these modern day medical interventions. They do help in a lot of circumstances, but in some time circumstances, place, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There is a time and a place for some of yeah. them as well. So some sometimes, you know, there is a bit of a, as we've spoken about before on the NHS, there's a bit of a cookie cutter policy where you go down one path and you'll fit into each box and it might not necessarily be the right path for you, yeah. basically. It, it's a bit of a cultural thing. It's like a systematic cultural thing that, you know, when this happens... This is the step we take in the policy. We offer this up to a pregnant woman who's close to being what they consider overdue and they have the right to accept or not accept that intervention. Half the time, though, women don't realise that they have an option not to. That's Um, true. That's true. Yeah, I think everyone just thinks, and as we've said before, you just trust the medical experts, which you should in most cases, but then... You know, if you let's give you for an example, mm. like you've decided not to go down the medical intervention route in terms of getting, you know, an induction, a sweep or mm-hmm. whatever they may offer you in exams. these uh, exams yeah. as well in these midwife appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just going off, you know, when the baby's ready, you have physiological birth. Yeah. And from doing that potentially, you know, means that we will have the baby a little bit later. Yeah. You know, then we would have if we just said from the very first time they offer you the the, the sweep or the, mm. the induction process, just say yes. And we mm-hmm. would have had the baby by now. Potentially. But yeah. we don't want the induction because mm. we actually want to go down more of the natural physiological birth route. And you are low risk. You've mm-hmm. had no issues up until now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a case of waiting till baby's ready, essentially. Yeah. But there is a stigma attached to that, I think. Totally. And I, it's at odds with what the majority of people will do. Yeah, it is. You, yeah. you have to 
properly, I think you have to be a informed to understand what your options are and what the risks and benefits are at each point around these interventions. As we said before, really be able to advocate for yourself and stand your ground with some of these uh, medical practitioners. I think there also comes a point like we have got a cutoff point. I mean, we're yeah. not we're not going to wait a year until this baby comes out if it takes a year. I feel like so, I said to you the other day. I feel like I'm going to be pregnant at Christmas <laughs> at this stage. The other thing I should just caveat, right, as I've said all along, been very lucky with this pregnancy. You know, if I was feeling really, un- not unwell, but like in lots of discomfort. Fed up. Fed up. I think I could be f- saying or having a very different point of view on what I wanted to do at this point. Like I know lots of women mentally, it's taken a huge toll pregnancy and yeah. physically has taken a huge toll. So by the point you get to like 39, 39, 38, 39 weeks, and you're being told you could have an induction. People are jumping at it. I know. Just... It's, it takes a lot of resilience being pregnant in the later phases, I think, as well, yeah. you know, because it can be a really uncomfortable experience. Yeah. yeah. And I don't blame anyone that is literally just like, right, get the baby out of me yeah. now because I'm done with this. And people are afraid that they're going to have a big baby and they're not going to be, yeah. it's going to be hard labor. That you also get told or banned about stat, uh, statistics on stillbirth. Uh, increasing so it goes it's a very marginal it's a tiny risk but it it does increase marginally after 42 weeks um so that's again something that freaks people out when they hear that yeah exactly and i mean even like for me being able to look at scientific papers and research and all that sort of stuff and kind of really breaking it down and just seeing like what is the data actually showing Mm. like on these papers rather Mm. than just the spin that people put on it yeah yeah even for me like i i think that is something to consider like oh you know mm. going past 42 weeks mm-hmm. there is a slight increase but when you look at the risk it is quite low and i think also it's, it's having an endpoint in in sight yeah. i mean we basically said that if we go past 42 weeks then mm-hmm. we are not just going to leave it for the physiological birth we will probably will have an intervention probably. but we want to give it a decent try first well i think what we basically said is that come 42 weeks and this will be something that the obstetrician that we end up speaking to will probably offer us is um, we'll need to have active management of the pregnancy. So that will mean monitoring possibly daily, possibly, you know, weekly or twice weekly monitoring of the baby itself, the placenta and the amniotic fluid. Uh, and that can be done through scans or CTG monitoring. But I think we've kind of said roughly it's like 42 weeks and three days or so. And at that point, I probably would elect for a C-section as opposed to going down. Well, may, I, I would be open to induction or a C-section. I think I would probably accept an exam at that point to understand how far dilated I am, if at all. If actually I'm not, then I'd just be right, okay, C-section. And the only reason I would do that at that point is because of what we said around very, very small risk of in- increase in childbirth, or sorry, stillbirth. I hope and, there's an increase in childbirth. <laughs> and also the very next that the baby's coated into that waxy white substance, which basically keeps their skin from drying up in the uterus because it would be just like swimming around in amniotic fluid and that dries out the skin. That can reduce and the baby then can be born with like quite red, cracked and chapped skin, which does eventually like peel off and it reveals like perfect baby skin underneath. But you just don't want them to be in discomfort. Yeah, so there's a few factors to kind of consider and think about. I think we should also say why we also, we want a physiological birth because yeah. I don't think we've covered that really we just said we want one well, and he, we're going to wait yeah, and <laughs> but I, why do we actually want one yeah the reason we want to kind of wait to have this physiological birth is because at that point the baby is ready to go my body will be ready to go those two things basically mean 
or often will lead to a more positive birth experience, both for you and the baby, and less medical interventions. Just to explain, I guess, because I hadn't really understood this before, but the baby, when they're like developing in your womb, I think it's around 24 to 28 weeks of pregnancy, their lungs begin to produce a substance called surficant. And basically this helps with the development of the lungs, the maturation of the lungs themselves. And in the later stage of pregnancy, so around 36 weeks, basically, or, or after or later, as we've been saying, that surficant starts to increase and a protein within the surficant itself has a reaction with the stuff in your uterus. And that basically stimulates the whole process of labour from the baby's perspective. That's their signal to say, I'm ready to go. My, my lungs are developed enough now to work on their own outside the womb. But then there's also the your yeah. uterus yeah. also has to be ready too. It does. Yeah. And that's where all these old wives tales come in of like... My cervix rather than... Cervix, sorry, yeah. cervix. Yeah. Uh, has to be ready. And that's where all these wives ta- old wives tales of, oh, you know, have go for lots of long walks mm-hmm. and eat spicy food and have some dates mm-hmm. and drink the tea that you're drinking oh, right yeah. now. Raspberry leaf tea. Raspberry leaf tea. Yeah. Yeah. So all these things come from the whole getting the cervix ready. Yeah. But obviously if the cervix, the cervix can be as ready as it likes, yeah. but if that baby has not got the cervicant protein mm-hmm. reacting with the uterus, yeah. then it's not really going to happen. Completely. And I, I heard a, a doula describe it in a lovely way the other day. She described it as like a conversation happening between you and your baby in your ah, in your body. Like nice. your body and your baby having a conversation to say, I'm ready. And then the other one going, I'm ready too. And then once both of those things align, the physiological process of labour begins. I feel like baby C's left you on red right now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I yeah, I think my body's been doing all the work it needs to get to get ready. I think baby C is just very chilled right now. Well, if they take after their dad, they'll definitely be a chilled one. That's true. That is true. <laughs> so let's end this one on a lighter note. I have been enjoying people giving me their little predictions and telling me that they're psychic and a clairvoyant and know exactly where baby C is going to arrive. Mm-hmm. It's been really fun. I also find it quite disturbing that everyone acts as if you're dying when you're having a baby and basically says oh goodbye this is the last time i'm going to see you <laughs> and i'm just kind of like well i'm not dying you've had like ha- multiple goodbyes <laughs> i've had quite a few yeah, goodbyes every yeah. single you know friday it seems like it's the last goodbye yeah no, well actually do you know what it's not every friday now it's just at the end of every day yeah i feel like people are saying goodbye to me it's for the last time anticipation which is great yeah. but i'm loving the predictions there's a lot of people at work, which they think the baby's going to arrive. As we're recording this, actually, the weekend record, recording this, which I can now confirm flash. that they're wrong. I've also had a lot of people think that the 20th of September is a date because there's a full moon that day. There's a lot of, well, there's actually... It's anecdotal. Would you call it an old legend? No, not really. Anecdotal mm. anecdotal evidence from mm. medical professions professionals that... Uh, more babies are, arrive on a full moon, yeah. essentially. Labour wards are really busy, according to midwives. And there might be something behind this, just because the full lunar cycle is actually exactly, to the day, the same length of time as the gestation period for your baby. Mm-hmm. So if you were conceived on a full moon, then you will be born on a full moon. Mm-hmm. And Maybe, well, it's if, it, if it's the exact gestation yeah, date. Yeah. Um, however, they haven't accounted for baby C, no, exactly. <laughs> who, who is a complete rule breaker already. Yep. 
But there is a theory that, you know, more babies are maybe conceived on a full moon because it's romantic. It's a full moon. There's more light in the sky. Mm-hmm. So there, there might be something in it. I don't think there is. <laughs> Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely, exactly. But yeah, I've been enjoying those those elements of, you know, baby C turning up a little bit later than, yeah. than planned. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting to see when they do turn up. I think that's part of the fun. One of the few surprises you get in life yeah. when you leave it, just to see, they could turn up at any point. Yeah. And I think just before we finish off, one of the things that I have been noticing, and for any pregnant person, like at this point in pregnancy, they'll be doing the same thing, I know, like reading into every tiny little sign you have. But like the last couple of nights, I've been very restless. I have experienced some kind of lower abdominal pain which can sometimes be a symptom or a signal of a very very early labor so who knows it could be a full moon it could be the 20th but i I somehow think it's going to be a couple more days yet maybe baby c will be a werewolf oh my god (laughs) yeah okay we'll we'll end this one and hopefully next podcast we will have a baby we're we're not recording another one till there's there's a baby here so the next podcast we'll be at christmas when baby c finally arrives exactly um we will we will be back Next episode with Baby C speaking to you guys. Baby C might actually have a name by that point. I hope so. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys. Bye. So that's it for another episode of The Parent Diaries. Don't forget to subscribe to get the next episode as soon as it's out. Also, we'd love you to give us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as it helps others to find the show. Five-star reviews, greatly appreciated. If you'd like to get in touch with us or if you've any suggestions for the show, drop us an email at theparentdiariesuk at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at theparentdiariesuk. Thanks again and catch you on the next episode.